Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Layla Howland is a uh, Georgetown University graduate who teaches high school English and English as a second language in downtown Los Angeles. Before that, she spent five years acting in New York and was a proud company member of the award-winning Flea Theater in Tribeca. Currently, she occasionally moonlights as an extra on The Young and the Restless. Here she is to discuss her second novel, <laughs> Nantucket Red. Thank you so much for coming. Um, yeah, I keep trying to take the the Young and the Restless off my bio because it was so long ago, but my editor really loves that detail and I can't <laughs> get away from it. So I, I know, every time I every time I try to take it out, it winds up back in there. So all right, I'm just gonna embrace it. Um, so thank you, first of all, to Skylight Books. I love this bookstore. Um, it was one of the first places I discovered when I first moved to LA, and it always feels kind of like second home to me. And um, I need to be a Friends Benefits member. I'm not <laughs> currently one. And thank you, a special thank you to my mom, who's here all the way from Rhode Island, which is so amazing. Um, I'm about to be a mom myself, and I have a new appreciation for the role, um, even just the pregnancy part. So thank you, Mom. <laughs> and thank you uh, and to my wonderful husband, to I, Johnny. He's right back there. Who I feel is like, um, sometimes I feel like it's a little unfair that I, I have Johnny in my life because he's an amazing writer, and he's sort of like my secret weapon when I get into a plot tangle and I can't find my way out. I have this amazing sounding board. So thank you, Johnny. And thank you all for coming. Um, so this is my second book, Nantucket Red. It's the sequel to Nantucket Blue, which I think most of you know. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about it and then I'm just, I'm going to read a brief section. Um, so uh, Nantucket Blue, just to catch you up, was Cricket Thompson's um, summer of finding her first love, and it totally rocked her world. And uh, now she's back on the island. Um, and this this novel is a little more focused on uh, her own sort of personal self discovery. Um, Cricket is the kind of girl who the world really has given a big stamp of approval to. She's pretty, she's athletic, she's really smart. She hasn't encountered a lot of external resistance. So she hasn't done a whole lot of deep digging the way some people in high school have because they've had some big external pushback that says you're not good enough or you're not 
um, lovable. Cricket has not gotten any of those signals from the world. And this summer, though, on Nantucket, that's she's she's sort of just kind of gone along, um, uh, but just kind of gone along with the flow, with her athleticism and her smarts. And and for the first time, she's starting to wonder. Is this what I what I really want? She has an acceptance to Brown under her belt. Um, she's going to go there in the fall. She's got a spot on the lacrosse team, um, but she's starting to get a sense that maybe uh, there's there's more to life than garnering all this approval. Um, she's not sure yet. It's very unnerving. <laughs> but I, I was going to read. Um, from the first chapter, but then with the weather today being so summery, I really wanted to get right into the heart of the of the book, which is in you know the middle of July um, on the East Coast. Um, so I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you there. Um, Cricket has met a new guy. He's older and debatably wiser, um, and he is taking her to a secret place on the beach. Um, to have a campfire. And uh, the one thing you need to know for this little reading is that um, the newspaper on Nantucket is called the Inquirer and Mirror, and it's called the Inky by the locals. Ben led me down a path through a grove of trees to a fire pit in the sand. The breeze off the water was chilly. I sat down in the sand and pulled my brown sweatshirt over my knees. I stared up I stared up to see if I could spot the comet, but it was cloudy. I could only see the moon and a couple of very bright stars. Ben unloaded some wood and newspaper from a canvas bag and built a mini teepee. As he lit the newspaper, he explained that fires weren't allowed on the beach without a permit, but that it was almost impossible to see the bonfire from the road. What would happen if we got caught? The flame caught the paper and jumped to life. Ben's face was focused and glowing in the firelight. There was something about watching him build a fire that was making me aware of my breath, my heartbeat, and the way they worked together. We might get arrested, he said. What? Yeah, they're cracking down, he said, enjoying my discomfort. And it all goes in the newspaper. Really? Carla does not like to see her staff in the inky. Ben stood up, admired his work, and dusted off his hands. Normally, information like this would have made me want to snuff out the fire and head back home, but I fought the impulse. Ben said no one could see us from the road, and besides, he had picked up his guitar, and the fire was dancing. The air was swirling with cool, salty breezes and heat from the flames, and the surf was whispering, shh, stay, shh, stay, shh, stay. I realized Ben was strumming Gypsy. He started to sing and I joined in, thinking that the words reminded me of Nina. But no, they didn't. They reminded me of Sadie. No, they reminded me of my own mom, singing in the kitchen and in the car. They reminded me of myself, dancing around the living room when I was a little kid. I was remembering a part of me that I'd forgotten about. Or maybe I was seeing a glimmer of the person I might become. A girl who was free, a girl on the open road, a girl singing on the beach. I felt connected to something, something in the moon and the fire and the ocean. I felt a light stream of electricity in my limbs, a sense of belonging to this moment, this place on earth, an ancient kind of happiness. What are you thinking about, Ben asked, scoring lacrosse goals at Brown? No, not at all. When do you start practice? I don't know. 
The idea of lacrosse startled me out of my open road reverie. I hid my face in my palms, feeling guilty. Lacrosse. I'd put off practice for weeks now. I dug my heels into the sand and inhaled the beach air. The dagger of panic was sharper than ever. It was pointed right at my throat. What? Ben asked. Nothing, I said, burying my head in my arms. The future was vast and open. So why was I headed back to Providence to do exactly what I'd done all through high school in the same small city I'd lived in my whole life? What is it, he asked. I couldn't bring myself to say it aloud. I shut my eyes as that feeling of connection, of inexplicable security and featherlight joy, vanished like a wisp of smoke into the night. So, do you have any questions? <laughs> or, yes? Well, it's not that hard. Uh, so, I mean, there are times when I feel like I, uh, my writing, my writing group has to pull me back and say, "Oh, that sounds a little mature." Um, but for the most part, I feel like that uh, when I'm in the head of this character, you know, the voice is the voice. It's sort of. I don't know. It's hard. It's weird. It's just the she is 18, and it just feels when I'm in touch with that voice that that's that's what comes out. It's like the conflicts and the stage of life feel so a part of her voice that when I'm connected to it, I'm not really thinking that much about about it. There are only a couple of times in my writing group where they'll say, "Oh, I don't think like an 18-year-old would compare something to a mortgage," and I'll be like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> for the most part, it feels feels pretty natural. Yes. Was it easier or harder writing a sequel that already had characters set up for you? It was harder. The first book, Nantucket Blue, I wrote um, in without a publishing contract, in the privacy of my uh, my. I don't know, without thinking, not knowing if anyone was ever going to see it. And it was came from such a emotionally connected place. Uh, it was something I really needed to write about. So it came out kind of whole. And the revision letter that I got from my editor for that book was about a paragraph. Um, it was pretty much published exactly as I wrote it. Um, and with this book, I had, uh, I, it was layers and layers and layers of, of like writing and rewriting. It was a lot more kind of muscular. Um, and my revision letter was like eight pages of like really big notes. Um, but in the end, I feel, um, I feel like I'm so, I'm, I feel just as good about about it as I did about Nantucket Blue. So I think that there's, which is kind of reassuring, I think, to writers, that just because you have to muscle through something doesn't necessarily mean that it's not, um, that it's not gonna end up in a, in a really good place. But it was much harder. <laughs> yes? I know that now you're writing for younger readers right now? Yes. How has that been in comparison to writing for teens? And tell us a little bit about your 
thank you, Kristen. Um, yeah, so I've got a middle grade series coming out next year. Um, and again, that first book I wrote, I was like, well, now everyone thinks I write YA, so I'm going to do this really secret thing and write this middle grade book. And so I had that same sort of very protected secret. I was actually just looking for that secret feeling again. Um, and so that one came pretty easily, but now I'm trying to come up the next one, and I feel like, no, I can't do this again. Um, again, the voice of, the, of those characters, um, they're, the conflicts that I'm writing about, they feel so naturally a part of this one age group that the voice, it, it's not something I'm that aware of or that in control of. I do have to get reined in, I'm looking at Vanessa because she's a member of my writing group who's here. Um, I do have to rein myself in like with, with stuff that feels like too mature or what? Not often, but it happens. But otherwise, um, I'm actually th I actually think writing middle grade is a little harder um, because the voice is it is it is that much younger and um, it's harder for me to get a sense of what's exciting to that, that age group versus a teenager, because I work with teenagers, um, and that wasn't quite as far away somehow. Um, bless you. That, uh, <laughs> that uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, that I find it more challenging, I guess. So. Yes. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Well, you, you kind of already touched on the, the one of the questions was, oh, what's the next, you know, kind of, if you're going to continue writing, what was the next year you need to, the middle age? Um, and if not having read, and then having read, yeah. um, what's, is there something next, coming up next in line for Cricket? And then my second question is, now that you're going to be a mom, are you thinking that your writing might take a turn in, in a different direction? It, well, okay, so wait, what was the first one? Is there, what's in store next for Cricket? Oh, Cricket, this is the, this is the end of Cricket's story. I'm not sure, there may be another story on Nantucket, I'm not sure, but this is the end of Cricket's story. I can say that. I'm like, I have sailed, you are done. I, I thought I was done with Nantucket Blue and I wasn't, and I'm so glad I wasn't, but this time, um, this time I've sent, I'm sending her off into the world. Uh, but there may be some more Nantucket stuff. I'm not sure. Um, and then what was the next one? Oh, the mom thing. It is changing everything. Because I felt the mom characters have always felt like, well, I'm more like the teenager, clearly. Obviously. <laughs> and now I'm not so sure. Now I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, well, I'm sort of between Cricket's age and her mom's age. And then I, suddenly I was like, no, I'm not. I'm... <laughs> I'm her mom's age, and <laughs> I haven't wanted to really, I've been resistant to that idea, but, so it has changed, it has changed things in terms of the, the I, was actually, I was actually thinking about that earlier today, in terms of mom characters, like, that's felt like an other, and it doesn't feel like that anymore. <laughs> picture book's next. Yeah, picture book's next. Right. Yes? Um, I have two questions. How do you find balancing teaching and writing? What is that like for you? And then also, what writers do you read while you write? What writers do you read just in general? 
So my teaching, I've worked um, for the very unstable adult division of the Los Angeles Unified School District. So I'm only occasionally employed. Um, so the work ba teaching balance has been pretty favorable towards the writing. Um, <laughs> I feel really lucky. Well, anyway, I won't get this. Another thing. Um, and then I, I when I'm writing, I know a, a lot of readers don't, or a lot of writers don't want to read in the genre that they're writing in while they're writing because they're worried about sort of stealing someone's style or slipping into that voice. But I love it. I, I, I like. I'm, I'm so much more productive if I'm reading. Um, in the genre that I'm writing in. And sometimes I do slip into someone else, I do mimic, but usually in the, in the next draft, I can recognize that and sort of pull out of it. Some of my favorite writers are E. Lockhart. I don't know if you know her work. Oh, she's so good. And, um, and then I've been reading uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Have you read that? Oh my gosh, yeah. He's, it's been, that's been one of my favorites. And Winger was another one of my favorites by, who's Winger again? Andrew Smith. By Andrew Smith. Um, I love that book. So I read a lot of like, in the genre, so contemporary, realistic, coming of age. I like to really in, sink myself into it. And I'm, as I'm trying to write this next middle grade novel, I'm like, I better come up with a great list of middle grade books because I'm feeling a little bit like parched. So um, I'm struggling with that. I keep looking at Kristen. Oh yeah, Kristen's book is incredible. I keep looking at Kristen because she's a middle grade writer. Fabulous middle grade writer. Her book is called A Wig in the Window. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. Now that you've been an author for a year, um, what's your favorite part of being a published writer, and also what's your running date? All right. Well, my favorite part, um, my favorite part is hearing from readers mm -hmm. that they connected with something I was really trying to express on a deep level, or they related to it, and they felt less alone somehow. Um, in the first book, there's a very painful friendship fallout, and I've heard from readers saying that that meant a lot to them to read about that experience. And so that's been my favorite part, sort of hearing back from readers. Um, and then my writing my write and also meeting other authors and I mean I've been I was writing for more than 10 years without any um, without being able to feel very confident calling myself a writer because nobody was asking me to do it <laughs> um, so feeling like a part of that what the quiet young adult and middle grade community has been very bolstering. Even though I still believe if you're writing and nobody's asking you to do it, you're still a writer. You're still a part of that community, 100%. But the external validation feels good. Um, and then my writing days, when I'm doing, when I'm writing, 
um, are I write for a couple hours in the morning, two to four hours if I'm lucky, um, in the morning, and then I have a writing group that I meet with once a week religiously, and I turn stuff into them religiously, and um, that's a huge part of keeping my keeping productive. So. I've been really distracted <laughs> in the last couple months. But, and then it's like, oh, I'm hoping to get back into it. Like, when? <laughs> but maybe I'll be just waking up at 4 in the morning and writing from 4 to 6. I don't know. I'll have to find a way. That's maybe too much information. Yes? Do you get kind of when after you've written something and you've read it, you kind of get this aha moment, this works? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes that usually doesn't happen when I'm writing it. Usually happens in the bathtub, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, this will all come together if it's the mother who does that instead of the father." Or, yeah, the idea sinks and it feels it feels right. Yes. Uh, when I was in high school and at no school and all that, I, I was just a big dummy. Uh-huh. Uh, do you find yourself uh, when, uh, when you're writing that age, do you find yourself wanting to be like, not my characters, they're going to make the wise choice? Or do you try to be the true to what a kid is? That's an interesting question. I try to be true to the character. Um, and I try to be true to what a kid what a kid is. And often that's where I get the most pushback from readers who are like, I want to, I couldn't believe she did that. That was so dumb. Or I'm reading this website, Goodreads, which you're never supposed to read as an author because anybody can post a review and you're just supposed to be above it all. And, <laughs> and But I find it really hard to not look because there's little gems in there. Someone being like, I loved it. And I just live for that. So I go in. But then sometimes it'll be like, I wanted to slap her. She didn't. How could anybody do this? I'm like, well, that's what a 17-year-old would do or think. So, so I have this new layer of like filtering that I'm actually trying to get rid of that I've from sort of taking in that feedback of where I've sort of I feel maybe timid I want her to be liked by everybody and that's like death so um so I have to fight that impulse to try to make her smarter than I believe she really is I want to I I like really flawed characters I don't want to read about Miss Perfect or Mr. Perfect. I want to read about somebody saying something really stupid or putting their heart on the line and getting crushed. And then, so later they can have a big moment or they can have a big realization. And I believe that you learn by making mistakes and that's how you grow. So I like, if that's what's exciting in the writing for me. Um, so I like flawed characters. I like a character who makes a lot of mistakes. So that's a very long answer. Extremely flawed. extremely flawed. I would go to say she's she's learned a little in this book, but she is extremely. Yeah, I like really flawed characters. I do. I you know when I was little, my father would read novels to me before I went to bed. Like, and I loved uh, 
the little princess in the secret garden. Those little girls were brats, right? They were like jaundiced and like sort of mean and, and they had a long way to go from the beginning of the story where they were like snooty and to, to like growing to becoming like feeling girls. And, and I think that there's something about that trajectory of, of growth that's, that's what I want to read about and that's what I like to write about. Not that they're all snooty or anything, but that there's like a journey. That's a very long answer. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else has a question or I can... Hi, Hillary! <laughs> I have a sense that it's mostly people in their 20s. Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's not appropriate for, for like, someone said, oh, I got this for my 11-year-old nieces, and I was like, no! <laughs> Take it away! Um, the themes are mature. So I think that it's, I mean, on the back it says 14 and up, which is kind of like an R. So, <laughs> so I think 14 is the youngest, and I don't feel like I have a lot of 14-year-old readers. I have mostly readers in there. I, from what I've gathered on the website that I'm not supposed to go on, um, I feel like most of my readers are in their 20s and 30s. Um, with some older teens, with a nice, healthy dose of older teens. Yeah, which I think is the case for a lot of young adult writers. Okay. Good. Good. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.